Welcome to No Ordinary Women, the podcast where two ordinary broads chat about extraordinary women, the good, the bad, and the batshit crazy. Hey, I'm Rose. And I'm Lynn. Who are you going to tell us about today, Lynn? Well, in today's episode, I'm going to take a closer look at Charlene Gallego. Is that what I said it was? Gallego? Sounds close enough. Gallego. That's good enough. She was a woman who, alongside with her husband, Gerald Gallego, committed a string of heinous murders in the 70s and 80s. So we have a trigger warning today. Um, This is a pretty gruesome story. It's the trigger warning would be for rape, incest, murder, um, domestic dispute, domestic abuse, um, uh, all kinds of awful things. (laughs) Is that it? It, That's it. (laughs) But just so you know, I mean, it does. I don't really get into the details of it. I'm not getting into the gory details like they're definitely in the book. They're definitely in all the articles I read. If you want to do that. Feel free to research them. But um, this is about a couple who committed these heinous crimes. So I'm talking about her because she's a woman and what she did. um, And she didn't do the heinous things that he did. So I'm leaving a lot of that out. Mm -hmm. And um, if you feel free to dig into the story and look a little further, I uh, and the and all the sources I used will be on our website. Um, And I um, I read the book as well. So just a heads up about that. Do you want to talk about our cocktail? You read the whole book? I read the whole book. Well, I'm, I'm almost done with the book. I'm not completely done, but I'm almost done. Because I went back and um, after I got about three quarters of the way through, I back and highlighted a bunch of stuff that I missed and used that as I was writing the story. And so, oh, okay. Yeah. So anyway. Wow. Um, so this, the cocktail of the week, which I've already finished my first one, waiting for us to get ready. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just um, mint. It's kind of a little bit similar to last week's. Um, it's just lime, mint, simple syrup. Um, Captain Morgan spice rum, though, and some soda water. So it it's does kinda, take kinda, taste kind of like last week's. Yeah, it, except I use spice rum instead of a curry. Yeah, I can tell. Yeah, and so I just did that, just something simple, because I had, I was very busy at work today, and so I didn't have a lot of time to make something fancy schmancy. That's always her excuse. Busy, I know. Busy, busy, busy. So we'll take a picture, post it on our, and I'm going to start posting our drinks on our highlights every week and the recipe, so you guys can... Um, have our drink recipes. That was a little um, shout out to Katarina. Katarina. I was like, wait, (laughs) I wanted to say Katrina, but I'm like, that's not right. Katarina for suggesting that. Whoop, whoop. Thanks, Katarina, our number one fan. So anyway, um, I did get a lot of new, we got a lot of new followers and new reviews this week. Yeah. Yeah, we're doing good. Nice. We only need, we have like 20 more followers and 20 more reviews to get to your... So you get to take me to the beach? Yeah. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> and I just invited you to the beach, so... There we go. <laughs> you have until June 30th. June. Wait, I thought you were going June 30th. I thought you were going... June 29th? I thought you were going to, like, Southern Virginia. What? I don't know. We'll talk about it later. I'm confused. Oh, yeah, in, like, mid-June. Through, like, 4th of July, the end of June. That's the beach. Oh, my God, Rose. Do you listen when I talk? No. Clearly. We'll have to talk about it because I'm totally confused. I thought you guys, because I said, when are you going on your vacation? You told me the dates, and I'm like, okay, that's when I'll plan my vacation. And so I, that's when Sherry's going to be at the beach, at Virginia Beach, so I'm going to go to Virginia Beach. Oh, Okay. We so, were talking about two different things. In that okay. We, to- we totally were. Okay. So anyway, 
Charlene Adele Williams was born on October 10th, 1956 in Sacramento, California. She grew up as an only child in an upper middle class home where she wanted for nothing. Her father was the vice president of a chain of grocery stores. Charlene had him in the palm of her hand. She was very smart with an IQ of 160. Wow. She was really smart and was a very um, talented violinist. My IQ is like 70. Are you serious? (laughs) I think mine's 40. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I have no idea what my IQ is. No, I think 70 is like really bad. Oh, right? I, I have no idea. I don't know. From no, what well, 160 is really smart. I know that. Well, I've heard like on um, podcasts, like true crime podcasts, like, oh, he had an IQ of 60. And yeah. It's like he's, you know. Really like, like uh, what's his name on? Yeah, from Murder. Yeah. Um, um, Brandon. Dylan. Brandon. Yeah. Brandon Dorsey. Yeah. Hit, Brandon. Was it Dorsey? No. Brandon. Yeah. From. Oh, my God. Rose Making a murder. Making a murder. That's right. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, just give me a minute. It'll come. Yeah. Anyway, sadly, Charlene later became a rebellious teenager and dropped out of high school when she was 16. On her 18th birthday in October of 1974, Charlene married her first husband, a young soldier with whom she had a whirlwind romance. The day after the wedding, he was deployed to Germany. He claimed to have written to Charlene every day because he was madly in love with her, but she never, she never replied. His parents mm-hmm. filed for an annulment on his behalf. The annulment was granted in May of 1975. She just never replied to She him? never replied to any of his... Oh, my God. And they were married? Yeah, they were married. Wow. He left the day after their wedding. <laughs> and she, he wrote to her every day and she never wrote back. Maybe how, she didn't get the letters. How sad is that? Maybe she didn't get the I mean, letters. Come on. Charlene's later, Charlene later said that her husband was too much of a mama's boy. Oh, my God. That's so funny. <laughs> she had decided to give, a, give college a try and enroll college a try and enrolled at California State in the fall of 1974 as a psychology major. College life only lasted one semester and Charlene dropped out. (laughs) In August of 1976, Charlene was married a second time. This was a big wedding in a Methodist church attended by over 100 guests. The groom, Elliot, was a 24-year-old soldier she had met while she was attending high school that she had dated on and off throughout her senior year. Both Charlene and her new husband had many medical issues. Charlene had bronchial asthma, and her husband claimed that she often used her illness as a crutch or an excuse. Oh. Her husband was epileptic and suffered from violent seizures. They were both heavy into drugs and alcohol (laughs) abuse. So I'm confused about this because... He was he would not have been able to be in the military if he had seizures. Right. Maybe they didn't know about it. And also if they're he wouldn't have been doing drugs if he was in the military. So yeah. I, I wonder if that That's was a little fishy. Like I had a Maybe hard time. She with, was into drugs. Well, I had a hard time finding out like at the one time it said like her first husband was this and her second husband this and another time. So maybe her second husband wasn't in the military because it makes sense because she knew him from high school. But I read more than one thing that said he was in the military. So yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, it's I I was very although I knew about guys that. who did drugs and they were in the military. See, all the guys I knew would not do drugs. And it they was were in the back military. in the day. I wonder if they even tested them. The well, 70s? when I was in my in the eighties, um, the guys I knew that because I, I hung around a lot of guys in the military because I lived in Virginia Beach and nobody, none of the guys hope? ever did drugs ever. Because it's it, you just can't yeah. you get in a lot of trouble. I don't know, maybe. So her husband claimed that the two had taken PCP and LSD while partying with friends. Again, not in the military. He also noted that Charlene had tried to commit suicide while they were married. She attempted to drink a whole bottle of Pine Sol. 
Luckily oh. for right. Luckily for her, her husband knocked the pine saw out of her hand and spilled it all over the floor before she could ingest any of the chemical. Okay, that's different. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> like she was probably being dramatic. Like oh, I'm yeah. just gonna drink this bottle of pine saw and kill myself. Well, he knocked it out of her hand. She couldn't drink it. So yeah. Well, who the fuck wants to die that way? I don't know. Apparently she did, but Apparently. she was on LSD, so she didn't tell she was oh, doing. Oh yeah, maybe that's true. Elliot also stated the marriage was partially controlled by her parents. He said that they always wanted to tell him what to do. They were too overbearing for him. He had enough. The marriage ended in May of 1977. Jeez. <laughs> she's <laughs> racking them up. She's betting a thousand here. That wasn't even like a whole year, was it? it uh, let's see. They got married in August of seven, 1976. And they divorced, divorced in May, in May of, of 1977. Yeah, so it wasn't even a full year. So Charlene met Gerald Gallego in 1977 at a poker club. There are mixed accounts of why Charlene was at the club. The most popular story I came across was that she was there on a blind date, and that blind date was with Gerald Gallego. The two quickly began a relationship. Gerald was convicted, was a convicted rapist who had spent time in prison before his release in 1974. Oh, my God. He grew up in a terribly broken household. His father was in jail for sex crimes, and his mother was a sex worker who severely neglected him. She probably didn't know about his conviction, right? No, not at the first. Not at first. Uh, um, So her mother could Google him, right? Her mother, yeah, that's true. Her mother um, severely neglected him, and she allowed her clients and boyfriends to abuse him as a child. Oh God. He committed his first crime by age six. By the age of 13, he had committed a felony and was sent to juvenile detention. Before meeting Charlene, Gerald had been married five times. <laughs> well, she had already been married twice. She'd been married twice. He'd been married five times. How old is he? Uh, I think he was like 30. I feel like he was 32. So That's number sticks in my head. Yeah. I think he was, I think I tell later, I think he was 10 years her senior. I think he was like 32. Charlene, who was only 22 years old at the time, was attracted to Gerald's dominant and controlling personality. She was intrigued by his sexual fantasies. That's why Chris is attracted to me. Yeah, for your sexual fantasies. No, my dominant and controlling personality. Oh, well, there is that. There is that. (laughs) According to Charlene, Gerald politely asked for her number. She was excited for the attention from such a kind man. The next day, Gerald sent her a dozen long stem roses. But let me tell you, the charm wore off pretty quickly, and his demanding abusive behavior quickly dominated the relationship. She described her life with him as just doing what she was told. Gerald's demands became more and more frequent. He demanded she cut her hair to have bangs and wear her hair in pigtails. Oh, even That's though Char- weird. I know, even though Charlene had plenty of nice, expensive clothing, Gerald insisted she only wear jeans and t-shirts. She was completely enamored by Gerald. She allowed him to move into her duplex, and she would hand over her paycheck to him every week. His contribution contribution to the finances was a little cash here and there from card games. Oh <laughs> her parents God. have got her this nice duplex, and she's just, this you know. This girl. So, Rose, from here forward, I'm going to breeze over the horrible criminal act of Gerald. Honestly, what he did was so disgusting, I don't want to repeat it. I'm not going to give... I don't want to give him any notoriety. He was a very sick, sick, sick man. Okay. I'll hear, I will tell you the names of the victims because they need to be remembered. Um, that's just a little note there. Charlene loved sex. One of her ex-husbands described her as a nymphomaniac. Soon after her relationship started with Gerald, they began having trouble in the bedroom. She did everything and anything to please him, but it was never enough. 
Every time there was a problem in the bedroom, he blamed it on Charlene. He couldn't get an erection and would make her do things that were often painful so he could get relief. If she would complain that it was hurting her, he would tell her that's just too damn bad. <gasps> he was a fucking psycho. He often flirted with other women and compared Charlene to them. He rated women. He had a rating system for women and always oh, put her in. He meant rated, like, like went in and oh, like, rate? rated them. <laughs> no, he had a rating system, and he always gave her the lowest rating. Oh, of course. She felt like she could never measure up to his demands and desires, but she loved him. He made fun of her, calling her the girl with the heart, in quotes. He called her that because she loved him. He, <laughs> knew, he knew she'd do anything for him. That bitch. What, what is she thinking? She loved his strength and confidence and was going to please him no matter what the price would be. She was aiming at getting Gerald to marry her, as the third time would be a charm, Rose. Yeah, of, of course. course. It always is. Work for Gerald. Yeah, for sure. Together, Charlene and Gerald embarked on a killing spree that would terrorize Northern California, Oregon, and Nevada for two years. Oh, my gosh. In December of 1977, Charlene purchased a twenty-five caliber FIE automatic pistol at a sporting goods store in Del Paso Heights, California. No Ger- one needs to be able to purchase an automatic rifle at a sporting goods store. Yeah, exactly. Gerald moved out of the duplex in the spring of 1978, but returned a few weeks later. While he was away from the duplex, he started to think, hmm, what are my ultimate sexual fantasies? And he started to contemplate on those. Oh, God. And he told her he was looking for girls who would be at his beck and call. Basically, sex slaves yeah. is what he wanted. Girls or? Girls. Girls. Okay. Yeah. Charlene told him he could dream about that because it would never happen. She, like, basically laughed at him. She's like, you're, you're crazy. Yeah. In 1978, Charlene and Gerald were invited to the annual grocer's ball. Her father wanted to introduce Gerald to some friends so he could obtain employment because he worried about Charlene's well-being. Gerald was able to obtain employment due to the connections made at the ball a few weeks later. He rented his own apartment, and his daughter lived with him. He Somehow in his divorce from his one of his wives, he got full custody of his daughter. Uh, Blows my mind. I have no idea. Like, if you've been convicted of a sex crime, you should not have even be seeing your kids, let alone have custody of them. He was convicted of a sex crime before he had his daughter, and he still got full custody of her. It's... That's awful. absolutely disgusting. So he rented the apartment for himself and his daughter. Two days before he started his new job, one of his daughter's friends came to visit for a couple of weeks. Oh, God. This isn't going to go well. No. Um, the friend later told authorities that Gerald had sexually assaulted her. How old were the girls? Like 14. Oh, okay. Gerald, maybe 12 at this point. Gerald had always had fantasies of having sex with women. One night, Gerald brought another woman to Char- another woman to Charlene's place for a threesome. He wouldn't let the two women touch each other. They could only pleasure him. Because <laughs> he, <laughs> he thought he um, thought same sex, um, same, like two people of the same sex having sex or was wrong. Know, was wrong. Yeah. Same gender having sex I'm was sure wrong. sure he was super religious. He thought it was disgusting. So um, the next day, he stopped by Charlene's for a visit and found her in bed with the woman, but without him. (gasps) He was angry. He chased the woman out of the house. He then beat Charlene and told her that he did not approve of this, especially without him. I think it damaged his ego, Rose. Oh, I'm sure it did. She was probably like, finally, I'm getting some relief. (laughs) In July of 1978, Charlene found out she was pregnant. Gerald was not happy because this was going to interfere with his sexual fantasies, Rose. 
Of course, Gerald blamed the entire pregnancy on Charlene. It was all her fault. Oh, yeah, of course. He didn't want any more kids in his life. So he had the one daughter, and then he had, that he knew of, one other child with one of his wives. Okay. And that child never, that woman, like, their marriage lasted, like, months. And she took the kid and left. Good and he never even they never even told the child that who the father was. Like, to this her. day, yeah. apparently, the, the child doesn't know. Um. The job was causing his job was causing him so much stress. He eventually quit and sent his daughter back to go live with his mother. Okay, so his mother was a horrible mother. She was a sex worker. Yeah. She let her boyfriends and and clients <sighs> beat him up, and he's and she's living with. And I'm like, I mean, the girl's mother had to be worse than all of this, right? Like, it just or blows my the mind. Judge just sucked. I have no idea. You know, I, I mean, can't, well, I can't even imagine it went to court. Because oh, he, he probably just took her and was like threatened the woman or who knows what happened. I have happened. no idea. I can't. I, there's nothing that makes me understand. That's so this. sad though. Hopefully the mom was like, "I'm not going to do that again," or was she not? Like, well, I'm going to be better, a better parent with my granddaughter. Yeah, I guess I don't know. I have no idea. They don't really get into that at all. Yeah. So Gerald's fantasy took a deadly turn in September of 1978. Charlene was two months pregnant and having terrible morning sickness. But according to Gerald, that was her problem, Rose. <laughs> Obviously, she had a, a plan. Bitch that got knocked up, and he had no time. He had no time for weak people. That morning, he loaded the gun she had purchased the year before. She noted he had a strange look in his eyes. He was oh, sitting God. at the kitchen table. She was afraid to go along with this bizarre plan, but she wanted to please him because she loved him. She wand- She wondered to herself if this was just Gerald testing her loyalty and obedience. So she thought, maybe if I just go along with what he's saying, he's just seeing if I'll do it. They took off in the morning in Charlene's 1973 Dodge van that she had purchased with the help of her father. Gerald was driving the van while going over the plan with Charlene. She was to search for sweet young girls and lure them into the oh van, and he would take over from there. Charlene, they, Charlene roamed through the mall looking for prospective volunteers. She would entice them by offering them to smoke marijuana. Apparently, she was taking too long because she turned a corner in the mall and found Gerald appeared out of nowhere. He poked her hard in the side and asked her what the hell she was doing. She told him she was trying her best. And then he said, try harder, bitch. I'll be waiting. Don't let me down. Cheese and rice. I know. She was afraid of what would happen if she didn't come through for him. Just then, she spotted two girls, young and starry-eyed. She thought that these would be the ones. She could have walked away at this point, but she didn't. She approached the two girls who looked to be in their late teens and was super cheerful. She said, hey, do you girls want to smoke some pot? And the girls were eager to partake. They were like, sure. So these two girls were the first two victims. Their names were Rhonda Scheffler and Kipling Vaught. They were 17 and 16. Like, I don't care how abused you are. She could have just said, kill me instead. I'd rather, like, you'd have to kill me before I would do something like that. Absolutely. So... Right. So I don't feel just, bad for her. You no, know what I mean? No, because like, she's going right along with it. Right. There's so many times she could have yeah. been like, no, I'm not doing this. And she's like, yeah, he would have killed her. But OK, that's yeah, better, better than you kill- than, right. than two like, exactly. innocent. You're the one who. Well, if she turned him into the police. She could have gone into like the witness protection or something like that. I mean, I don't know how, you know, but I'm just like my thing going through my head. So they stepped into the back of the van with Charlene and instantly had a gun in their face. Faces. And this man holding the gun did not look like he was joking around. Both of the girls are restrained with tape and told to lay on the floor of the van. Charlene was ordered to keep the girls quiet while Gerald drove the van. 
He drove for what seemed like forever until he turned onto a long, dark road. He stopped at the end of the road and untied the girl's feet and ordered them out of the van and to walk in front of him while he pointed the gun at them towards the woods. Charlene sat in the van in silence for what seemed like hours. Gerald finally returned, but he was alone. He told her not to ask him any questions. From outside the vehicle, he barked orders at her to drive back to Sacramento, not to call any attention by speeding, etc. She should just go somewhere where friends would remember seeing her, then drive back to pick him up in the Oldsmobile, not the van. So she was, like, really confused about why she would switch vehicles and all that. Was she... Yeah, probably <laughs> but she knew better than to question him. So she completed the task exactly how he ordered and headed back to pick up the girls. It was getting colder out, you know, and they're like in the desert. So they're, it's getting colder out. Yeah, right. And she was worried that they would be freezing. But she was also nervous get, about getting back too soon for the wrath of him if yeah, she was speeding. Right. So she passed a patrol car just as she was arriving where she needed to turn off the highway. And she thought for a minute that she could completely end things here. She could go for help, and stop the whole thing. But she kept driving. Gerald came out of the woods with the girls when when Charlene arrived. The girls looked dirty, confused, and terrified. They all got back in the car, and Charlene was relieved the girls were still alive. She figured they would just drop them somewhere, and she and Gerald would go back back to their normal life. So Gerald ordered Charlene to drive, making several turns until they reached a dark, dusty road between two fields. He yelled for her to stop and then told her to turn the radio as loud as she could and keep looking forward. Oh, no. She heard several pops, and then Gerald came to the driver's side and told her to move over. His breathing was erratic as he climbed into the car. The rest of the car... The best... The rest of the car... The rest of the car ride back was... In complete silence. Two days later, farm workers found the bodies of the two girls in a, in a field barely covered by clumps of grass. Charlene watched as Gerald took all the evidence from the crimes, including the gun, and tossed them along the Sacramento River in various dumps, and in various dumpsters around town. So, like, he filled the, their purses with rocks and threw them in the river. Yeah. And then he put stuff in various dumpsters so nothing was, like, close by to the next piece of evidence, including the clothes he was wearing. Ugh. At this point, Gerald had insisted that Charlene get an abortion. She didn't want to, and he, and she asked if she had any say in the decision. He said, "You do have a you do have a say as long as it's the same decision that I made." I mean, please don't take a bring a kid into this. Oh my God, for real! Like you're gonna have another Gerald on yeah, your hands. Ac- absolutely. Charlene went into the abortion clinic alone and waited for the procedure. Gerald left her to fend for herself after the procedure was over. She felt nauseous, dizzy. And had to push through on her own. She had to find her own way home. Charlene and Gerald went on a short trip soon after and stopped to visit his daughter at his mother's house in Chico. That's where his mother lived, was in Chico, California. He didn't receive the warm reception that he thought he was going to receive from his mother. It turned out that Krista, his daughter, had turned him in for sexual abuse, claiming the abuse started when she was six years old. Oh, my God. And then the other girl, her friend, had... Yeah, gone to right. the authorities, too. His mother tried to talk him into turning himself in. He actually thought about it for a few minutes and then changed his mind. So soon after, his mother's husband came home and saw him there and wanted to kill him. He was like just... Oh, so maybe his mother married somebody that was nice. I don't know. Yeah. 
So he ordered Charlene to the car and they got out of town quickly. Charlene was physically shaken by the accusations made by Krista. She was sure if they were she was she wasn't sure if they were true, but she couldn't believe that Krista would really? turn her well, I she mean, couldn't believe that Krista would turn her back on her father like this cuz he loved his daughter, Rose. Oh my god. She was actually in the house some of the times that she that Krista said that her dad abused her. Charlene was in the house. Well, that doesn't surprise me. She probably knew about it all along. Mm, she probably did. And did this girl had Charlene had good parents? Yeah, her like. parents were like super, super like. I mean, they did every. They might have done more too much for her. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and she just yeah. She had a really good upbringing. Well, so he thought about what he needed to do moving forward in order to protect himself. He would have to either murder or marry Charlene. Something had to give. Yeah. So the latter option seemed to be the best idea for now. Charlene and Jared were married in Reno on September 30th, 1978. We need someone to do his dirty work. Yeah, exactly. This was Gerald's sixth marriage, Rose. <laughs> Six. That's the least of his problems, Lynn. I know. And Charlene's <laughs> third marriage. Charlene's parents attended the wedding as witnesses. I'm like, why are they not like... I mean, what are you going to do? I don't know. I, I mean, just... it's not like... You know, she's going to listen to them and not That's marry true. him. That's true. So they're probably just trying to be supportive and oh my God, hopefully it's... she'll leave. I can't even imagine. They don't even know the worst of it. No, they don't even know. So Gerald decided he needed more protection than just marriage. He needed a new identity. He chose a name from Charlene's family line- lineage. Robert, I'm sorry, Stephen Robert Fell, which was a distant relative of Charlene's. They had no idea it was actually a California state trooper. <laughs> <laughs> Dumbasses. <laughs> now it was time for Charlene to convince her parents to help them obtain a fake birth certificate for Gerald. She also convinced her parents that Gerald was innocent of the daughter's accusations. Oh, my God. Do not ask me how, Rose. But her parents came through with the birth certificate. See, that's the problem. Yeah. they. Yeah. So I think that they, they, they're enablers. Yeah. They give, they've given her mm-hmm. too much. Yeah. So I don't know if, like, her dad paid somebody to make a fake one or he somehow got the family birth. I have no idea. Like, yeah, they don't go I'm into sure that. I have all these questions. They soon discovered that there was a warrant out for the rest of Gerald, and bail was set for $50,000. So they hightailed it out of town and headed to Houston, where Charlene's father lined up another job for Gerald. That yeah. job didn't last long either. And Gerald started bartending. He didn't want Charlene to work. But she was bored out of her mind sitting in the house alone all day and night. Why didn't he want her to work? Rose. Oh, he sorry. felt like her working outside the home challenged his manhood, Rose. Oh. Well, he, he Don't was you okay know? with it before. Don't you know? <laughs> he had a change of heart. It also cha- it also challenged his authority, not to mention his insecurity and intelligence. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Because like, she was really smart. Yeah. So in March of 1979, he got in a fight in the bar he was working at and quit his job. He and Charlene headed to Reno. Again... Again, Charlene's dad got Gerald another job. Jesus. This time he was driving a truck for a meat plant. Again, Charlene... I don't know why I just said again. 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 <laughs> Charlene started to work as a receptionist and a sales representative for another meat company, which is kind of weird. Well, how does the dad know so many people in I, all these Well, states? he he is the vice president of a, of a restaurant. I mean, I'm sorry, a grocery store chain. Uh, so maybe, okay. yeah. yeah, I'm sure he has connections yeah. for that. Things in the bedroom were still not well for Charlene and Gerald. His pressures on the job put a strain on the couple's sex life, even more than it already had been. Gerald's inability to gain an erection was always blamed on Charlene. She was too skinny. She was too fat. She was lousy in bed. 
so on. She and wasn't a teenage girl. Yeah, right. She wasn't yeah. six. Sometimes he would force her to do unnatural things or creative things to please her. Again, not getting into that. Well, it, was lo- it wasn't long before his, this job was history as well. Charlene knew what would happen if he was unemployed, restless and bored. Yeah. She begged the manager to let him come back to work, and, and the manager refused. Father's Day, June 1979, was the same day as the Washoe County Fair. Gerald informed Charlene that he needed more women to fantasize with again. Mm. Gerald noticed that there were more attractive girls at the fair than he could count. He went over the plan again with Charlene. She was going to pretend to be looking for girls to put flyers on car windshields in the parking lot. Get the girls close to the van and he'll take over. Scumbag. Who are the flyers for? It's just a way to lure the girls. I know, to but the... what did they say? I, I don't know. I didn't. <laughs> they, they didn't post those on the. <laughs> she, she walked around the fair trying to find just the right girls for Gerald. She knew if she brought back girls he didn't like, he would take it out on her. Charlene approached two girls walking out of the fairgrounds, Brenda Lynn Judd, 14, and Sandra K. Colley, 13. They were at the entrance to the fair waiting for their ride home. She walked up and asked them if they wanted to make some money by just putting flyers on the windshields of the car. Windshields of cars. Say no. Please say no. Yeah, I know, right? I know, but we know their names. So yeah, so they're, yeah. So they were excited to make some extra money. The girls followed Charlene to the van to get more flyers. As soon as the girls got close to the van, Gerald stuck the forty-four caliber gun in their faces. He forced them into the van and restrained them. Charlene sat in the back of the van with the girls, assuring them that everything would be okay if they just cooperated. During the drive, Charlene started wondering if Gerald would eventually kill her. Gerald would eventually kill her. Eventually, he made Charlene drive. She was driving into the darkness with no specific destination. He finally ordered her to stop. He took the girls out of the van one at a time. He came back to the van alone and told Charlene to move over so he could drive. The person scheduled to pick up the girls at the fair showed up and looked for the girls for hours. The girls were quickly reported missing. There was a rumor that the two girls had run away with the carnival, which was which sent the police on a wild goose chase, only to find out that there was two different girls that had run away with the carnival. Who runs away with a carnival? People do it all the time, Rose. You never did it. I did it once or twice. You are kind of like a carny. I am a carny. No, I did oh not. Oh, my God. The carnies no, are but, so gross. Like. I know. They are gross. I never did it. I'm kidding. Um, yeah, right. But no. <laughs> ew. What? But they, um, so two girls from another town had run away with the carnival and were at their town. And so there was like, like rumor. confusion. Yeah. And so the police went on this wild goose chase trying to find them and wasted all this time. And it wasn't them. So... Um, Gerald make Char- made Charlene clean out the van. It had to be cleaned perfectly. Their sex life continued to decline. Now she was still doing everything he needed or wanted, but had to completely had completely given up on any gratification for herself. Gerald said it was not his responsibility. Oh, I mean, what did she expect? Uh, I mean, clearly. In 1979, Gerald and Charlene moved back to Sacramento. Because they were closer to Chico now, where he's wanted, um, he... Continue to use his alias. The couple answered to Mr. and Mrs. Stephen Yeal. Charlene frequently asked her parents for money and had no problem with it. They, she knew they'd do anything for her, and they just handed yeah, it over. Yeah, enabled her. Yes. Gerald started collecting guns and applied for a new driver's license using his alias. He felt like he was in the clear now because he had a license. He felt totally legit, like he was like living in this Ugh. false sense of security. He started another job as a bartender and introduced Charlene to, as his girlfriend. 
It was common knowledge that Gerald was having many affairs. One of the waitresses said that she was pregnant with his child. It isn't known if Charlene knew about the affairs, but she really wasn't interested in sex lately, and he was leaving her alone in that department, so she kept her mouth shut. However— I mean, she knew about him— Raping and killing little girls. Right, so, exactly. I mean, I'm sure she didn't care that he was having affairs. Well, the fact that he wasn't bothering her, she knew that he was having yeah. affairs. And so she kind of was like, well, he's leaving me alone. However, he was still beating the shit out of her every day. Yeah, I'm sure. So it didn't take much to set him off at all. She thought about leaving him but knew it would probably result in her death. I don't know. I don't think that would have been so bad at that point. Exactly 10 months after the two girls were abducted from the fair, Gerald woke up and told Charlene it was time for new girls. Ugh. He ordered her to get up so they could start the hunt. During breakfast, she, he threw his plate on the floor for no reason, and when she tried to pick it up, he yelled at her and told her to leave it because they had things to do. The two drove all over town in the van looking for girls. They went to the mall. Gerald went over the instructions with Charlene. He told her to offer the girls to smoke pot. The two entered the mall together. Gerald pointed out two girls walking out of the bookstore. Charlene stepped in front of the two girls and said, you girls like smoking dope? And they replied, doesn't everybody? <laughs> the girls, that was me as a teenager. Yeah, me too. The girls followed Charlene to the van. Gerald appealed, appeared out of nowhere with his three fifty seven Magnum and told the girls to get in the van. Would you have done it when you were a teenager? If somebody was like, come I, I bet you I would have. I, I don't know. I mean, if it was just a girl by herself, I might have. But that's it is kind of weird for somebody just to walk right up to you. I mean, it is the 70s. Right? Yeah. So the 70s were wild. <laughs> yeah. They sure were, Lynn. Yeah, they sure were. But, I mean, I I don't know. I don't know if I would have trusted anybody at that point. Cause I was, I yeah, don't I don't know. Like, I feel like teenage If me, it, was, it was kids yeah, it my age, I definitely would have done yeah. it. Yeah. But an adult? I feel like I either would have been like, what the fuck? Get out of here. Yeah. Or I would have been like, okay. Yeah. I <laughs> There's mean, no I, in between, you know? Yeah. No, because I definitely think she was like young. She was 20s and she was really small and petite. So they may have taken her for someone younger. Yeah. But I think it's kind of, I would have thought it's kind of weird. You're just going to give me pot. Like. Yeah. That Maybe she said it in a, like, I wonder if she said it in a different way. If she's Well, like, it's quoted in here. She said whatever she said. She said. Yeah. Like, you want to go smoke pot? Uh, yeah, you girls like smoking dope. That's in quotes. So, That's... But the thing is, is like if somebody, if I was at the mall, because we hung out at the mall a lot when we were younger. So if I was at the mall and somebody my age came up and said that, I would have been like, hell yeah. Yeah, right. But I wouldn't, I don't know that I would have done it with an adult. I would have been like, no, this is creepy. So I don't, I don't know. So. Maybe she looked like a hippie. Maybe. You no, know you trust hippies more. Maybe. So Charlene drove east on I-80, waiting for her next instructions. She drove through the night. Gerald directed her to turn into a canyon and stop once they were far away from the road. Gerald got out of the van with the two girls and told them he was going to fix a campsite for the three of them. Gerald walked into the darkness with one of the girls and ordered Charlene to watch the other. Gerald came back alone and took the second girl into the darkness. After a little while, he came back out of the darkness alone and ordered Charlene back into the van. He ordered her to start cleaning the van again while he drove. What's she cleaning with? You have like Windex back there? I don't know. I guess she had stuff. I mean, he made her clean like she was like it had to be like an operating room clean. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. As they were driving through the darkness, Charlene threw the evidence out the window piece by piece, keeping a distance between each item she threw. In June of 1980, it's believed that Linda Aguilar, 21 years old and four months pregnant, was also a victim of Gerald oh, and Charlene. Yeah. I know. 
She was walking home from a doctor's appointment in Port Orford, Oregon, when she was forced into the van by Gerald. Once again, Charlene drove and drove until Gerald told her to stop. He got out of the van with Linda and came back a while later alone. Um, So what happened with her was she and her boyfriend... I don't think she was married. I can't, maybe she was married. Anyway, she and her partner um, had been having some difficulties, and so they kept trying to blame him. So finally, oh, yeah. So that like delayed the investigation again. Yeah. So, which isn't surprising. Yeah. On July sixteenth, nineteen eighty, Virginia Moschel, thirty-four, became the next victim of Gerald and Charlene. Her 34? body. She was thirty-four. Wow. I know, right? Her body was later found in a remote area in Clarksburg, California. On November, in November of 1980, a young couple was attending a Founders oh Day God. dinner. Yeah, so that was July. I'm sorry, that was July 19. So that was like a month after the pregnant yeah, girl. Yeah, he's getting yeah. like closer. He's getting closer. Yeah. yeah. So in November of 1980, a young couple was attending a Founders Day dinner dance at the Carousel Restaurant hosted by Sigma Phi Epsilon. So their seniors, Craig Miller and Elizabeth Sowers, were in attendance at. And they were the all-American couple. They were, like, really cute. They were totally in love. They were already engaged and going to be married New Year's Eve 1981. They were both seniors in college. The night of the dinner dance was wonderful for the couple, but they left fairly early, just after midnight. And I was like, midnight? That's pretty late to me. (laughs) I guess in college. (laughs) Not when you were, like, 20. Right. They were in the parking lot when Gerald forced them by gunpoint into the car. A few minutes later, a fraternity brother noticed the couple in the back of an Oldsmobile Cutlass Sierra rather than a Mary Beth's red Honda. And he was like, what, what the fuck's going what's on? going on? And so he like sticks his head in. He's like, I don't even know who these people in the front seat are, you know, because they're both. He's in a fraternity. She's in a sorority. So yeah. they have all the same group of friends. He stuck his head in the car and asked what they were doing. And they both shot there in like dead silence. And the couple in the front seat was acting strange. And the woman yelled at the fraternity brother and was like, get away from the car and sped away. (gasps) Fortunately, he felt weird enough about the situation that he took down the license plate number of the car. Oh, good. So when Mary Beth and Craig didn't show up to planned events or work the next day, their classmates became suspicious. Well, why didn't he call the cops right away? I have no idea. I don't know. The police were called, and after a few days of questioning, the license plate number was received by the police, and the tag came back for the car the student described as registered to Charlene A. Williams or Charles Williams, her dad. The police went to her parents' house, and while they were there, Charlene pulled up in the car, like in the driveway. Oh, my God. She was seven months pregnant and seemed quite young, and the police were like, and she seemed really innocent, too, because she was real petite, and yeah, she was probably right. like just playing the role. And he, um, she allowed them to search the cutlass, and they didn't find any signs of foul play. So she must have cleaned the shit out of it again. Yeah. It wasn't long before Craig's body was found in a remote location on the side of the road. So sad. Did they ask more questions, though? Like, Well, they did. I mean, they did later, but okay. I mean, right at that point, they didn't. They brought Elizabeth back to their apartment, and... The next day, drove to a different rural area and left Elizabeth's body. Oh, no. So she was, like, alive until the next day. Yeah. On Monday, November 17th, 1980. So that's, like, um, holy like crap. right after? Yeah. It's in the same month, within a month. Yeah. Um, Gerald and Charlene Gallego were captured by FBI oh, agents good. in Omaha, Nebraska, while they were attempting to pick up money her parents had wired to them. Oh, my God. Her parents are the worst. <laughs> They're just such enablers. Gerald Armand 
Gallego Jr. was born while Charlene was in prison on January 17th, 1981. She fucking named the baby after him. Oh, my God. What gosh. a dumbass. I want to slap her in the face. Yeah. I was so annoyed by this. Why would you? Do, you're like repeating history. Right. You're yeah. such an idiot. She's the worst. I mean, I don't even like I understand like abusive relationships and stuff, but I don't even feel like that's what this was. I mean, it was abusive for sure, but. I mean, it's ridiculous. Why yeah. would she name the baby after him yeah. after all that? That's just like, it's. Like, I feel like it's like celebrating him. Right. Right? No. And she didn't have to. They were both in jail for yeah. ever, probably. Right. So she was 24 years old oh when she had this baby. Charlene had a high-priced family attorney. He requested bail for Charlene, stating that her being in prison violated the rights of her unborn child. <laughs> Gerald had a public defender, so, you know, he was fucked. Yeah. <laughs> Charlene initially denied any involvement in the murders, but she eventually confessed to her role in the crimes. She claimed that Gerald had brainwashed her and forced her to participate in the murders. However, her testimony was contradicted by the evidence, which showed that she was a willing participant of all the crimes. Absolutely. Yeah. She she was convicted of murder and sentenced to death, while Gerald was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Originally. She asked her attorney what she could do. Sorry, say that again. She, she was, was convicted. See, I, 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 I read this and I don't know if it's true. It says she was convicted of murder and sentenced to death. And he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. What? I think that that's I think that's incorrect. But I read that in two places. So Charlene asked her attorney what she she could do to get out of the mess. And her attorney looked at her and said, what can you do? What can yeah, you do yeah. to get out of this mess? Maybe you shouldn't have yeah. fucking let him kill people. Right. She looked at her attorneys and said, well, we're not just talking about two kidnappings because you now, mind you, they're both being charged with the kidnapping and murder of these two people. Oh, so she can, she she can said, get um, time off. She's time. saying to her lawyer, she said, we're talking about 10. And her lawyers were like, oh, what? And they were like, holy shit. She explained that the college couple were the last of a string of abductions and murders that had lasted over two years and covered three states. Wow. She told Plea her. Deal. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. What word? Plea deal? Oh, plea deal. She told her attorneys that she lured the victims and Gerald sexually assaulted and killed them, acting out as his acting out his sex slave fantasy. Her attorneys hired a private investigator to make sure she was telling the truth. They didn't want to look like idiots in front of the judge, obviously. And they discovered it was the grim truth. So investigators from all these other states now are like wanting to talk to her about all these unsolved crimes. They're like, holy shit, this fits the bill for this and this. You know, it's like. And Charlene's attorney offered promised cooperation to testify against Gerald in exchange for a reduced sentence. She defended that she never killed anyone and that she was also a victim. I don't believe that. Um, I mean, she might as well have killed them. She lured them in to be killed. So what's the difference? Right. And she had opportunity to go to the cops. Many times. And stop it. Her, I mean, her parents would have protected her. She could have, like, just gone. Her parents would have, like... Right. She could have had anything. Yeah. She yeah. could. They could have paid for her to go to another country. I mean, I understand she was probably abused and brainwashed. Victimized. She was victimized she was, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, but for sure. at the same time, I'm like, when people let, like, when people let their children be abused and stuff like that, I'm like, I'm sorry. No, it's ridiculous. Yeah, there's no. There's, no, there's a, a special yeah. special place in hell for people. I like draw that. a line because there's one thing about like somebody abusing me, but somebody's gonna abuse my child. Mm-hmm. 
it'd be a cold day in hell. Abs- you know what I mean? Absolutely. So this is where I know that that paragraph about her getting the death sentence is wrong because it says Nevada, 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 Nevada was ready to release Charlene six years ago or six years. Well, this at this time, six years ago for good behavior. But California officials threatened her arrest her on other charges if she didn't serve her full sentence oh, good. Of, of 16 years. So 16 years. She feared going to California prison, believing that Galejo, Galego had stronger connections to which would carry out his threats. So she pled guilty to another second-degree murder charge so Nevada would keep her additional oh, six years. Well, that's smart. Because she knew if she went to California prison, he would have her killed. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing she named her kid after him. He's yeah. such a great guy. Fucking idiot. Like, what the fuck? I hope, yeah. Well, her parents ended up raising her child. I hope well, they well, change its great. name. Yeah. So by July of 1997, Charlene completed her 16-year sentence and was released. I don't think if you raise someone like that, and I'm not saying that it's the parent's fault, but if you raise someone like that and you're enabling them the entire time, it, you know, like, you should not be able to raise that child. No, they shouldn't be able to. I mean, no. let's hope maybe they learned a lesson. I don't know. In Probably June not. of 19. 19- I mean, they were still enabling her up until getting her a fucking. Right. Well, she lawyer. asked for money and the, they the police were monitoring them and they, they cooperated with the police in knowing that they were going to arrest them when they sent the money. So like the police. Oh, they did. Okay. Yeah, they were cooperating. Yeah. Sorry, I should have I mean, said that. Not that that. But it's still I yeah. mean. So in June of 1983, Gerald was sentenced to death for the murders of Craig Miller and Mary Sowers. And in June of 1984, Gerald was convicted for the murders of Karen Twiggs and Stacy Redkin. But this sentence was later, later overturned. I have no idea why. Gerald later died of cancer while awaiting execution on July 18, 2002. Oh, too bad. I know. In her first interview after being released from prison... Charlene seemed determined to distance herself from the grisly crimes that put her behind bars for nearly 17 years. It just died. Oh, I know it didn't. But she knows she can never be free of them. Charlene says she didn't know that Gallego, 10 years her senior, that's what I thought it was, had spent three and a half years in prison for robbery and had been charged with rape, incest, auto theft, and assault with a deadly weapon. She also didn't know that his father had died in the Mississippi gas chamber in 1955 for two killing two law officers. And her his father also had sexual assault charges on yeah. him. In 2013, it was discovered that Charlene Williams had returned to the Sacramento area and had been there for 15 years, had changed her name to Mary and lives with her husband, Daniel. She says she changed her name to hide from Gallego and his fa- and his family fearing for safety for her family she she has organized and operates two charities heart of the matter and gold county i'm sorry gold country for the troops and spends her time soliciting people and business to donate to her causes charlene's case was notable for the fact that she is is classified as one of the few female serial killers in history her crimes were particularly heinous and her and the fact that she was a woman made her case all the more shocking to the public. Charlene's story is a cautionary tale about the dangers of falling under the influence of a charismatic and dangerous individual. And it serves as a reminder that evil can come in many different forms. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't feel bad for her. Like, I'm sorry, but I mean, she's she served her time. So I feel pretty strongly about I, people serve their time. I just don't know that it, I don't feel like I don't feel think like it was enough. enough time. I don't either. 16 years. She basically captured 
what was it, 10 people mm-hmm. for him to kill? Yeah. I mean, she knew what was going to happen to them. Right. After the first ones, she knew it was going to happen to them, yeah. and she continued to do it. That's what... And she chose her own life over theirs. Right. Which exactly. is bullshit. Yeah. And they were, and they were ki- like, most of them were kids. Yeah. It, yeah. I'm telling I, you, it, it was... She should have been in prison for life. It's very strange. Um, you know, they talked to her about a lot of things. She doesn't, you know, the fact that they even gave her name and the fact that she moved back to Sacramento, she's crazy. I know. I would have moved to a whole different side of the country. Yeah. I would have never been, no, I wouldn't have. But I mean, she, the reason she, you know, and it goes to, it just, it's like, what did I say this last week? It just goes to show that the rich get away with more. Oh, yeah. Because for sure. she had high powered attorneys. High price attorneys. And so she got this plea deal, whereas he now, granted, he shouldn't have gotten anything, any leniency whatsoever. But he had a public defender. So everything, you know, he got the And I mean, he actually did the killings. And she did give up all the information about. Right. And well, she let she um, advised them where where the bodies were. She had like a really like a photographic memory. And so she let them know where all the bodies were. So, I mean, at least she did that. Right. So she did help with the investigation. But. I don't know. I it it's. I tell you right now, if one of my kids or someone I knew was one of their victims, I don't know that I would. I would be psycho knowing that she was. Oh, for free. sure. I, I it mean, would make me crazy. Yeah. It would it, make if crazy. that was my only kid and I knew she was free, I'd probably. Do I, something to her. I know. Well, her. that's that's what I'm saying. I just can't imagine. Like, I would never sleep. Yeah, I would be up every night thinking to myself, like plotting she's her fucking death. Free, she's fucking free. This <laughs> yeah. is bullshit. Like it would drive me right. nuts. Yeah, yeah. So I... I don't know. So that is the gruesome story yeah. of Charlene Gallego. Thanks it, for that. It, I told you it was horrible, <laughs> and I'm telling you, I left every, I left out 98 percent of the yeah. bad stuff, and because I just didn't even want to talk about it. Yeah. I just feel like it just glorifies him. It, it, you know, it makes him, you know. And I mean, it's it's really sad when you like really think about it because he was that way because of his childhood. Not, Again, we've talked about this so many yeah, times. You can right. excuse that. He grew, but well, his but how much of it was genetics kind of too? Abuse, well, but that kind of abuse. I mean, his God knows what he was exposed to with his father. Right. Who knows if his father abused him? Right. But like, but and then his, all the abuse from his mother's sex partners or yeah whatever. well i mean yeah i don't know if that was sexual abuse or just yeah, physical abuse sure but both. either way it's still mentally right debilitating and and knowing your mother's doing that like letting that happen that's also a mind fuck yeah and then his well his dad having been a sexual offender and all that stuff i just wonder if any of it's genetic too if there's like something wiry in there like dna yeah. they, you know that makes him Crazy. I don't know. It's don't really know. it's it's a fucked up story. It's a really fucked up story. Ugh, it's kind of sickening. So so if sorry, you enjoyed you that fucked up story, <laughs> <laughs> sorry you guys. Head on over to our Instagram at No Ordinary Woman Pod and our Facebook. Same thing. No Ordinary Woman Pod and TikTok. No Ordinary Woman Pod and the no. I'm sorry, not TikTok. Yeah, TikTok. And then Twitter is No Ord Women Pod. Give us a shout out. Make sure you like rate and review our podcast on whatever platform you can't do it on google podcast but you can do it on i think any other ones but we'll we got a lot of ratings forever yeah we will love you forever like our favorite fan katarina <laughs> so all right guys that's a good story lynn thanks for tuning in see you next week bye